Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Two o'clock for Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Feel free to text in on the text line 704-570-9610. Doesn't matter if it's Charlotte Hornets related or Carolina Panthers related, college football related. We've been basically hitting everything here on Wesson Walker as we are one to do from 12 to 3 on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. And here's more of Fitty, not only on the Fitty Flash, but also giving you the live wire. Go ahead. Time for it to connect, Fitty. Live wire connect. Live wire's on the team connect. I like that, Fitty. Respect for they real. Every time. I know you feel this. It's not a live wire unless Wes tells us it's time to live wire connect. And my guy Panther Bo here. I, mean, I was going to give him a shout-out. He's a big Texas Rangers fan about going up 2-1 in the World Series. Text in, Fitty ever going to stop with the Ubre delusion? <laughs> it's over. Hop on the Cleve Miller and Williams train. Yes, Cleve Stifford. Kyle Bailey yeah. accidentally called Steve Clifford Cleve Stifford. Maybe that's on, why the defense has been so bad. On the preseason sh- uh, on the pregame show, I should say, last night. So, yes, the Cleve Stifford, Brandon Miller, and Mark Williams train is off and rolling. Thank you, Panther Bell. All right. Let's get into some uh, some sound, if you will. A lot of discussion about the struggles of one Icky Aquanu. Is what the head coach of the Carolina Panthers had to say about his starting left tackle struggles to start 2023. Icky's a great player. He had one or two struggles in the past game, but same thing. He's like every other player on the team. There was a, a couple bad plays, and there were a lot of good plays. You know, we're confident in Nicky and the player that he is, so we'll, we'll learn from it and get better. What do you think of those comments from Frank Reich on Nicky Aquano? I mean, I think, you know, he just tried to stay positive with him and keep his confidence up because the last thing you want, I don't know what his confidence is as we speak, but uh, whatever confidence he does have left, I guess he doesn't want to shred that because things could get worse still. I mean, it's been bad, but it could get worse. Here's my question. As we continue to see Iki Iquanu struggle, I wonder how much left tackle or tackle I wonder how much that is moving up on the hierarchy list of needs this mm. offseason. On that grocery list. Is this going to be a position now, despite investing a sixth overall pick into that position a couple of years back? Despite that, is this now a position where you might spend a 33rd overall selection on it? Because they didn't get rid of their second round pick this upcoming draft. That's mm. going to be the highest one that they have. And so this isn't necessarily up there in the first round where you would have a top five pick if everything plays out the way it's been going to the first seven games. You might not want to use the fifth pick on a left tackle after Icky. But 33, just to, I, I don't know. I don't know if that even changes your way of thinking. I just want to know how far up that need is moving up the hierarchy list. And even if it is a need, would you consider it that? Yeah, uh, lots of positions to try to figure out and left tackle. It might just be one despite using that sixth overall selection. Well, you're going to have to address most of, if not the whole line, and try to at least address the majority of this offensive line this offseason. So you're going to have to spend a pick or two on it anyway. So if you've got a tackle sitting there with that second-round pick, 
that you feel really good about that can step into the league and uh, be able to be productive right away, then, yeah, I think you do spend some draft capital on that. What else you got, Fitty? Well, that's what Frank Reich had to say about Icky's struggles. Here's what former Panthers wide receiver Steve Smith had to say yesterday on the Kyle Bailey Show. Well, I mean, they're doing some things that confuse them, kind of make them, you know, here's what I would say about Icky that that people don't realize. Icky is a heavyweight boxer, right? He, he, He punches hard. He throws a lot of his power and juice behind it. And you got to anchor in. And sometimes when you do that, that can throw you off balance or be a little bit slow through the draw when they do a TE stunt. There's a few times, a few times that he's been a little slow to react because he is, it is coming from Hades, that punch that he has. He's one of those players, once he gets his paws on you, you can't get him off, but he has to learn a little bit how to play a little bit more quicker feet, quicker hands, and less punch. That's just really, he's going to have to learn that. Yeah, I mean, that's some of the things that I was talking about when you say technique-wise, when I was saying he'll stop his feet, he'll give up that inside foot, different things like that, because he isn't the fleetest of foot, even though he is a pretty good athlete. But that's why I said maybe shedding a little bit of weight this offseason, 10, 12 pounds could help maybe lighten those feet up. But I think Steve Smith, was dead on with what he said, and those were a lot of the things that I see, too. It feels like a guy that has fun film to evaluate coming out of NC State, where if he does get in front of you and he does get your hands on you, then you're going backwards. He does feel like that that's the kind of power that Iki Kwanu possesses. It's not often, despite all the struggles we've seen from him, we usually don't see him get pushed backwards like Jonathan Grenard was able to do rushing the passer. So we'll see if Iki can, can, can improve. We got good film last year. We got pretty good film last year. It's certainly better than what we got this season. Maybe he can get back on track. Wes, how much stock do you put into maybe moving him inside to play left guard? Um, Yeah, I think it's a thought, uh, especially if the season continues the way that it's been going. I think they probably give him one more chance to be able to hold down that left tackle spot, and then maybe they kick him down inside because I still think they have some faith in him in that building. Uh, He definitely needs to right the ship, but um, I think if they have a tackle that they feel like in the draft when they do select with that first selection that they feel could be a starting level guy and end up being a really good Pro Bowl caliber player, then I think that uh, maybe they could end up kicking him down in there. All right, I don't mean to pile on with the Clemson stuff, but I didn't get to play this soundbite yesterday. And this is what this is what Paul Feinbaum had to say pre-Dabo going off on Tyler from Spartanburg, where he said that they are the saddest story in college football this year. The saddest story in college football this year is Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. And Matt, there's not a single person outside of that area code who, who is feeling sorry. This is uh, a coach who has thumbed his nose at the norms of where we are today. I'm not saying the traditions, I'm saying where the, where the game is. And, you know, he has, he has made countless mistakes uh, and it's now blowing up. And, and I, I think the, the, the real question for, for Dabo Sweeney and Clemson is, can he get it back? Yeah, I mean, you know, Paul Feinbaum is definitely an SEC guy. He's going to take any chance he has to take a shot at the ACC team, especially Clemson. We know the relationship that they have. I mean, we'll see how this offseason goes with Dabo if he does hit the portal and do a lot of the things that people have been saying that he needs to do. So I think there is some truth to what Feinbaum has been saying, 
Uh, but we know, like I said, he's very adversarial towards Clemson uh, and the ACC. Well, I, let, let's let's discuss the mistakes that led them to a four and four team. What are they? And is Paul Feinbaum right for questioning? Are they going to be able to come back? Because. He's one that's been on this, what, really, like the first loss? Maybe Paul (laughs) Feinbaum is saying it after the Duke loss, which seemed way too early. And part of this, Paul Feinbaum can pound his chest and say that he was right all he wants to. We're going to have to take it with a grain of salt coming from the mouth of the SEC. And I totally get it. That's his shtick. That's all fine and good. But was he right in questioning Clemson's ability to come back to a point where they can be as dominant as they once were? Wes, I'll ask you, because you've not been nearly as critical about them not going into the transfer portal. You've said this is fine. They'll get back. Do you still feel as confident with the 4-4 four and four record? Yeah, I mean, I just feel like with a school like Clemson, they have so much talent everywhere that they kind of have to go out to targeted transfers. Like, if you feel like there's a wide receiver sitting there that could be a difference maker, then you go get that guy because we know Clemson routinely brings in four- and five-star wideouts. Uh, same thing at a lot of other positions. If there's a guy that you truly feel like can be a difference maker, then you go do that. But for him just to go into the transfer portal, just to be able to get some guys to say, look, you know, we went into the transfer portal. Clemson's roster in the crack that starting lineup isn't going to be easy to make. These guys have four and five star players that are top flight talent, going to be NFL draft picks down the road. So, you know, and I get the developing the homegrown guys that you get. That's just where we're at. Everybody, like I said, on that instant success. And so it seems like a lot of coaches, like we talked about yesterday, saying is it lazy for coaches to just want to go into the portal and get a guy that's already seasoned and experienced as opposed to developing high school talent. Well, when you're getting the type of high school talent that Clemson is, yeah, I'm all for developing those kids because, like I said, tough times aren't going to always last. But Clemson, I do feel like we'll need to go into the portal to get some kind of pointed transfers, some guys that they feel like can immediately come in and be difference makers, not just you know, guys out there on the field taking up spot. Oh, and to use it just to be able to say that you used it is dumb. That's right, not right. the that's not the reality. What mm-hmm. you should be doing with the transfer portal is not disregarding its existence. It it's just you're completely neglecting it. That doesn't make any sense to me. When you just have no reason to go into the transfer portal or even look at it. I think he thinks it's just this figment of imagination and the only guys that show up are guys are going to be backups. And so that is a tool for you to have access to, to improve your football team. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you go there just to get a transfer and then appease the crowd. But you got some talented dudes in there, especially with what we've seen the last couple of years. Football teams that have finished above you. Football teams that might only have a transfer going for them. Uh, they've used it and, and got their team better. It's just time, in my opinion, for Dabo to look at it and see if there's something that can help their football team rather than act like it doesn't exist. Well, one thing I will say, too, and, and I think a lot of people looked over it. You know, I cut a lot of sound for the ACC when we make game previews and things of that nature, you know, watching press conferences. And Dabo has said before that, you know, there are guys that they have uh, gone after. He said, but they got to want us, too. And he also said that he and talked about and he talked about the locker room dynamic as well, bringing in transfers, because the thing about Clemson that I've always said, it's amazing to me how they get these big time players who are great kids. They hardly get into trouble. You might have one or two every now and again that do something, but they get great kids. I mean, I was watching that coach's show last night, Sheridan Jones, just hearing him talk, and I'm like, man, Clemson really gets, and I've been saying that from the beginning. 
when they had the Bercy's and the Dexter Lawrence's and all these guys. And I'm like, man, Clemson finds great athletes who are great students who aspire to have careers beyond football. It's crazy. It's not the typical factory with guys that are just meatheads that just want to play football. And if the NFL doesn't work, then they got to figure out their life. And so he talked about that as well as far as saying that guys coming in messing up the chemistry of the locker room. So there are a few factors there because if I'm I believe they were trying to get Jordan Addison because I think he was in his they were in his list of schools when he was going around looking at the portal. But yeah, I mean, like I said, as far as just to be able to get some immediate fixes to really be able to compete next year, he probably is going to have to go get a few guys. All right, we have one more soundbite to get to on the live wire. All right. Um, a lot of people are concerned about the slow start to the season for LaMelo Ball. Maybe even a little bit so Mark Williams after a strong uh, season debut against the Hawks. But Steve Clifford's not worried, saying it's been four to five weeks that they've been cleared to do basketball activities. They've only been cleared been like four and a half, five weeks. You know, they're behind these other guys. So the only way to do it is to let them play through it, which obviously we need them both. That's what we're going to do. But they both did whatever they could to get ready. You don't play at this level, especially shorter training camps, and you're not, they, they weren't able to do anything with contact until right before training camp. So they're behind. I like how Doug Branson put it yesterday, my co-host on the Locked On Hornets podcast. I think every post-game press conference, Steve Clifford is going to reveal one player that actually was only cleared a couple of weeks before the preseason started. <laughs> it might be Gordon Hayward after the next game that they have. But we I don't think it was real clear to us that Mark Williams was cleared himself just a couple of weeks before training camp started. I, look, I asked Mark Williams after the game last night, and this was after Steve Clifford had these comments. I said, basically, Mark, are you good? <laughs> are you feeling okay? And he said, yeah, I feel like I've, you know, got decent enough conditioning. It's not great, but I feel like it's pretty good. Mm. You can see, I, this is the thing I wonder, man. Is Steve Clifford trying to defend a couple of young players on the roster with LaMelo still trying to find his rhythm, which I can believe that one a little more so because of the injury that he suffered that ended his season last year. But with Mark, we said, hey, Mark Williams just played his best game as a Charlotte Hornet in the opener against the Hawks. No doubt. That guy was crazy good against Atlanta. He went eight for eight yesterday, and I feel like defensively there was a lot to be desired, which is why we love Mark Williams. You're 7-1, protecting the rim. They go five out, and P.J. Washington defensively, I don't want to do the P.J. thing, but played better, had 12 rebounds, and Mark at seven feet didn't have as many. Right. And so that's the issue. Hopefully, look, still love Mark, still love LaMelo, but I hope they get healthy and get in condition soon because you don't have a whole lot of margin for error. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. The start of the season is so important for this team, for the morale of the fan base. And like I said, man, you want to see the Hornets have some success. And if they have a just a bad start and guys just can't get it together and they start out in the hole, it's going to be hard to climb out of it. That'll do it for the live wire. Let's go back to spooky season at one and six. Oh, boy. Spooky question from Fitty, the degenerate that he is. At one and six, do the Panthers still have playoff hopes? That's an actual question that we're going to talk about coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yes, happy Halloween from Wesson Walker. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Did you watch The Addams Family? Uh, yeah, I saw the first movie they did at the movies back in the day. And uh, I was just thinking about, two of them, playing that at the Old Hive. Man, why don't they play that anymore during basketball games? You remember they used to play this all the time. Great point. Completely forgot about that. But yes, remembered as soon as you brought it up. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Everybody would clap at the same time that you're supposed to clap, <laughs> yep. and it, it was it was fantastic. I I feel like I barely remember it as a kid. Yeah, I, man, was, at the Hive, they used to play that a couple times per game. Well, and I even mean the cartoon, I guess, right? Because there was oh, the car- yeah. there was the cartoon, the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, barely remember Wednesday. I guess Lurch like is in it. Three right? episodes of that Wednesday on uh, Netflix too. Okay. I barely remember the Adams family. Were you just, is that something that you remember all that well, Fitty? Did you watch that or are you a little too young for it? I'm going to be honest with you. I'll know what you're talking about. I'm cutting up the second hour of the show. Well, well they've done so much with it, though, because <laughs> they've had, um, there was a current cartoon of it. I think that's out. Oh, no, a current movie. They put out an animated movie of it recently. Then you had Wednesday, the show that was on Netflix that blew up big, and I'm pretty sure they're going to come out with that because Drum's nodding his head. Your sister probably watches that, doesn't she? So, yeah, you had that. And then uh, I want to say they did a live-action one not too far ago either. That's just a franchise, man, that they just keep making bank off of it. The Adams Family. I didn't realize it goes across generations and generations, Mm -hmm. too. I think a lot of people. Now, my mom now, the, used to watch it back in the day. The Adams Family, Fitty. Now that you're paying attention, do you? Did you ever watch the Adams Family? No, it was not something I. I do you grew- know what we're talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I just wanted to not something yeah. that I, it's not something that I grew up watching. Just wanted to make sure. I didn't know. All right, so it's spooky season, as we mentioned. I think it would be pretty terrifying for the league if the Carolina Panthers found themselves in the postseason. Nobody would want to face a red hot Carolina Panthers team. Finding them. That actually might be true. At first, it was meant to be sarcastic, but knowing what it would take for Carolina to get into postseason contention, who would be playing better football at that time? Probably a select group of teams, or very, very select. They're going to have to win a decent amount in order to get into playoff contention. But, Fiddy, th- this is your floor here because. Yeah. <laughs> you were the mad scientist that cooked up this 
stuff. Yeah, I, and he was he was looking, he was squinting at the computer screen. Oh wow, unnecessary shot. He was looking at the Panthers record, looking at their upcoming schedule, and then he kicked a theory to us into which Wes called it's a theory. <laughs> so what is said theory, Fitty? You know, I know Carolina's one in six. I know they just recorded their first win of the year. I look at the schedule coming up. I look at how bad the NFC South is because the quarterback play in this division is buns. I, I, I still think there's playoff hopes in Carolina. I know it's going to take a lot. You got to win at a minimum six games to put yourself in that conversation. Cause I think seven and 10 is on the table to win the NFC South. But you know, if they can get these next two games against the Colts at home and on the road at a bad bears team, three and six, you will, we'll have to start having that conversation. And I just wanted to pose it to the people. If they still believe in a potential postseason birth. How much do you believe in it? West Bryant? Uh, for the cutest sound. Which one? You got it. Oh, you, the one on. you love so much. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to give me a second. Okay, here. well, I give you a second. I'm sure to just come in as I start to make my <laughs> points or whatever. But uh, the only thing I said about it, it is not completely out of the realm of possibility because of history and what has happened. I just looked at some of the things that happened in this win that against better football teams, you probably don't come out alive in this one. Fortunate with the first down. You give up six sacks on your quarterback. You only run for 1.8 yards a carry and 44 yards total on 24 uh, carries. So that's what I look at as far as, okay, you got to win, but this was definitely getting by on the skin of your teeth. And so if you play a better football team, and, and granted, these aren't great teams coming up on the schedule, but the Colts have a few wins. I mean, it's not a no-shot game. You've got a puncher's chance against Indianapolis and, of course, the Bears. And so I feel like if, let's just say, for kicks and giggles, that you were able to beat Indianapolis and Chicago, put you at three and six, but then you got that stretch coming up of Dallas, Tennessee, Tampa, New Orleans, I think the margin for error is so slim. The top of the division, you've got two four-and-four teams, so that means that you would have to have two teams just collapse down the stretch and then the Panthers be able to take advantage of that. And I just think that's a little unlikely. So that's why I you that's, know, called it just a theory. That's that's as fair as a take as you can possibly have on this. It's a little unlikely. Or in other I, words. No, hell no. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That, yeah. that that's, that's a little unlikely. Fiddy, did you have any rebuttal to what Wes was saying, or did you just want to continue on your theory? No, hell no. I'm just kidding. I mean, like, I think a part of it is like you look at the Panthers franchise. They started the twenty the, the 2004 season one and seven. They finished seven and nine. You start last year one and five. You finish seven and ten. They've got a history of being a slow starting football team and finishing fast. And also, look, Frank Reich's he's damn near bragged about. I've started slow and made the playoffs before. It's true. It's true. So he's he's been at I think it was what one in five with the Colts and he got them I think to ten and six in a postseason berth. He's been here before. You've had a, you've got a head coach that has experience it. You have they have experience doing this before. I think we all you know wax poetic about the type of quarterback that Bryce Young has been and will be in in in, in the years to come. I think he's a guy that's capable of leading them on this run. It's far fetched. You probably got to get a game, either the home game against Dallas or that road game at the Jaguars, for it to really be a possibility. But I, I, I don't rule it out of out of the possibility just because uh, Desmond Raider got benched, Baker Mayfield's looking like bad Baker. 
And Derek Carr continues to validate why Walker didn't want us to go get him in the offseason. Uh, he played good Sunday, though. He had over 302 touchdowns. That was his first good game really all year, though. Okay, well, he started to get going, though. The QB debate bait. It is there. <laughs> it is 100% there. And I shall go away from the mousetrap with the tasty cheese. Let's get what everybody is saying on the text line about Fitty's theory. Fort Mill Niner said, Mac rubbed off on Fitty on that crowd surf. Is that true? Did you feel yourself be infiltrated by the Space Jam aura that also infiltrated the basketball in that movie? No, I mean, look, it was an honor to hold Max belly button. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't know you got the belly button. I got the belly button. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the most proudest things I've ever done in my history in radio. But no. I, I, I thought when they won on Sunday, and I was like, dude, this schedule, this is not world beaters. I mean, you're telling me they can't beat the Colts at home on Sunday? You're telling me they can't go to Chicago and win on a short week? I think all that stuff is in the cards for them. I've also said that for it to be a real thing, you got to get a game you're not supposed to win. The home game against the Cowboys at the Jaguars. Every other game on their schedule is winnable. Wes, you have a stank face. Do I go to you or do I continue to read no, text messages? No, just keep going because I'm looking for something so then I can come back into the Is it the Derek Carr stuff? No, it's not. Okay. Not <laughs> <laughs> Coach Jeff said, uh, Fitty, they let you smoke crack in the office? Uh, no. I smoke spin. Get it right. He's smoking mm -hmm. that spin. CJ said, you have to go 4-0 and remaining in the NFC South. Doc said, Panthers can win every game except for the Jags and the Cowboys. They can win every game left, except for the Jags and Cowboys game. How about okay, three? We back. How about three, three, six writing in? It's happening. We're getting better on the way up. Our defensive reinforcements are going to be coming back. Tampa Bay and Atlanta are on their way down. 704-980. Two Let's more. Go. St. Scott said, I usually leave you guys alone, but Panthers ain't making the playoffs. Already 0-2 in the division and the final one. Flawless wrote in as a Panthers fan. I think we'll get a game away and then lose in the last week like last year. Yeah, because I was going to say, when you go back to that 2014, when they made it with that 7-8-1 record, uh, you're talking about New Orleans finished that year seven and nine, Atlanta six and ten, Tampa Bay two and fourteen, and with both of those teams, when you talk about the Saints and Falcons sitting there at four and four, oh, I'm sorry, uh, you got two four and four teams at the top of the division. I just don't see these teams having that kind of collapse. When you say Atlanta and New Orleans sitting there four and four. I mean, it would have to be just major football gods at work there to be able to make this happen because I don't see either of these teams sitting at 4-4 four and four right now finishing with those records uh, that they had back then. All right, so here's the angel talking to me on my right shoulder, telling me why what Fiddy is saying isn't crazy. Uh, Minnesota just lost. Minnesota just lost Kirk Cousins, and they're the seventh seed in the NFC right now at 4-4. Four and four. San Francisco, once undefeated San Francisco, is now currently the sixth seed. So is it even to the point where you have to win the division to get to the postseason? Because people are laughing. Wait, you're going to win the NFC South? That's laughable. Maybe they don't have to win the division in order to get there. Like Maybe maybe that's not crazy enough. New Orleans is 4-4, four and four and they are one game out of making the postseason as it currently stands. Minnesota has the tiebreaker over New Orleans based on best win percentage in conference games. Carolina certainly is the, uh, the 15th team in the NFC, so they still have a long way to go. But that's what the angel is saying to me. The devil is saying, dog, 
chill. You were a Miles Sanders extension away from going 0-7. <laughs> yeah. And this conversation isn't happening. Yeah. So it's tough. I, I like the optimism. There are some avenues to exit into playoff land. Like the, there, there is that on-ramp that you can get on that road. It's a little too hard for me to fully commit and take that on. Right yeah, now. I agree with you as well. Like I said, it would just take some major, major, uh, I don't even know if you call them coincidences, what would happen. These teams would just have to absolutely fall apart. And again, like I said, when you point to what happened in the win, that's the thing you got to look at. I didn't. I, I thought it was a, a dirty win. Okay, you know, people like dirty martinis and stuff like that. Mm. This was not a clean win to where the Panthers came out because when you look at how they did it at the end of last season, they were running the heck out of the ball. They were protecting the quarterback. They were getting it done. Defensively, they had their struggles. But, you know, you are very, very, very fortunate, and I threw three on there, because when your quarterback gets sacked six times, gets hit as much as Bryce did, and you only run for two yards of carry, you're not going to win many football games like that. And that's why I said this was a dirty game. It wasn't the type of win where you could really come away from and say, man, they flipped the switch now. I think they can play some good football. There was a lot of stuff there that was not good. And you mentioned these teams got to collapse. Tampa Bay wasn't great down the stretch. They had the goat at quarterback. Like you're, you're putting a lot more trust and faith in Derek Carr, whoever's going to play quarterback for Atlanta and Baker Mayfield. Like that's why I think it's on the table because the quarterback play in this division is arguably the worst in the entire NFL. But what did you see from this team in the win that makes you think that they're capable of that? Because there was a lot of bad in the win. Yeah, but I mean. A win's a win, and you don't know what a win is going to do. So, look, I've, I've said that's a good point. They've they've got to build off of it. Like, if they win this Sunday, it's not a talking point. But they win on Sunday, and then they go and win again on Thursday. Now that's three wins in a 12-day time period. It's go, it, The conversation's there if they win their next two games. Here's, here's the thing for me, because I think you're right, Wes. I think a lot of this, it's hard to believe because – it's not like Carolina was phenomenal. I, I do think there was enough change in that offense where they were throwing downfield. And hmm, how about Bryce Young looking as good as he did despite all of the pressure? He seems to be pretty clearly getting better. There were some things to like offensively, even if it wasn't this explosion of offense. There were some things to like. You know me. I don't even love the Saints. It's hard to love them. I, I do think Derek Carr has been disappointing for the most part this season. What I could see with the Saints is them getting better in the second half because now Derek is continuing to gain some chemistry with Chris Olave, with some of the receivers he's working with. Alvin Kamara has been very uh, prominent in the passing game. And so now you do have a weapon coming out of the backfield. That defense is still a defense that I am scared of a little bit. Uh, and so if we're looking at who could have second half surges, because I agree with you, Fiddy, I do think Tampa and Atlanta, I could see those teams faltering in the second half. Desmond Ritter didn't live up to what he was supposed to be. At least in Arthur Blank's, God, do it every time. I do it every time I get the <laughs> Arthurs mixed up in Atlanta. At least in Arthur Smith's mind, Desmond Ritter, you bench him after calling out the media for asking questions about it, by the way. But you bench him. So I could see Atlanta faltering in the second half. Could absolutely see Tampa because Fiddy's right there. They did last year, despite having Tom Brady, who is better than Baker Mayfield. But with the Saints, 
I could see the Saints even getting better as the second half goes on. Yeah, I would agree, too. I mean, that offensive line play, they're having a lot of issues on that one as well. I mean, they're in the bottom tier of the league when you look at PFF grades for pass blocking. But again, like you said, this is a team uh, that's continuing to get better. I mean, Atlanta has the type of weapons to keep them afloat, even though their quarterback play isn't there. But again, I, I do agree with Fiddy on the point is you never know what a win can do. Uh, that's why the Indianapolis game is going to be huge for them to see what did you learn, where did you get better, because another question you have to ask yourself as well is, you know, how many games can Bryce survive getting sacked six times and hit ten times? Um, you know, even a quarterback that's 6'5", 255 pounds, if they keep getting hit like that every single week, they're not going to be able to make it, uh, you know, in consecutive weeks playing so that's another issue that's got to be solved. Don't see it happening. Um, a not ain't no number said West well, from Charlotte. Panthers have to win ugly every week. That's what I'm saying. You're going to have to win ugly, ugly football games. And uh, I just don't know that the teams coming up that they have to play against are going to grant them that wish of just playing ugly football. All right. Here, here's the last point in Fiddy's favor. We saw this happen last year. Detroit. Went 1-6 and six to start the season. And then they found themselves in playoff contention. You know who ended it for them. It was Carolina. Mm-hmm. After that win, 37-23 to 23, on Christmas Eve, Carolina was able to end their playoff contention. But they were contending for a spot in the NFC playoffs until Carolina was able to get that victory. They would finish with a 9-8 and eight record, but they started off 1-6. and six. And so if you look at even... Some of the things working for them. It was only a three-point loss to Philly to open up the season for Detroit last year. They won 36-27, to but those are two back-to-back 30-point performances, which Carolina ain't putting up. Not this year. They're not doing the whole 30-point thing. At, at least they weren't in the first half like Detroit was last year. They only lost by four to Minnesota. They only lost by three to Seattle. The margin of victory had was closer for Detroit in all of those losses than it has been for Carolina for the most part. So, yeah, it was 1-6 last year for the Lions, too, but also they were playing closer, and they were putting points on the board. Their defense was just so bad. Yeah. They were getting blown out. Carolina's defense has been a little too inconsistent for me to put a ton of faith on that side of the ball until some of these guys come back. I don't hate it, though, Fitty. I don't hate it. I think you squinting at the computer screen, looking at the rest of their schedule, I think it was well-deserved to discuss. And a couple of Texans also brought up the Jaguars last year, too, as the turnaround that they had. Yeah. They were 4-7, and seven, finished 9-8. and eight. So if you get to 3-6. and six, Oh, dude, I, talk me into it all day long. Spooky season. It's here, <laughs> and it's on Wes and Walker. Time now for the last Fitty Flash of the day. It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. No sports equinox on the docket for tonight, but we do have game four of the World Series. And me and my good buddy Drum were having a great conversation about about game three and how Texas uh, is, is, is poised to win the series despite both Max Scherzer and Adolis Garcia exiting the game last night on the way to the win for the Rangers. The Rangers are 9-0 in the postseason on the road. And in the process, in the process, they've taken down a 99-win Tampa Bay Ray team, a 101-win Baltimore Oriole team, a defending World Series champion Houston Astros. And now they got a chance to close it out on the road in Arizona if they win the next two games 
history on the line for the Texas Rangers. If they go up 3-1 tonight, it'll be all but a wrap for the baseball season this year. I was sitting next to Willie P yesterday watching the Charlotte Hornets game, and he gave me the fact that I think it was the opener or the previous game that was the least watched World Series game in quite some time. I don't know if you saw the ratings on this. Do you have a ton of... I know you're a baseball guy. Mm. How intriguing is this matchup to you compared to what could have been with the other teams in the mix? There's no denying that neither the star power of Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber. But if you love baseball, uh, to me, this this series is very intriguing because Arizona plays small ball. They want to move runners over. They want to steal base pass. To me, that's exciting to watch, but not to the casual fan like... West Bryant. Yeah, this is very true, but I do think Texas is going to uh, close out the series. I know they have a couple of injuries that are definitely going to hurt them and maybe give Arizona some hope, but I just feel like Texas at this point, man, they're hot as fish grease, and I think they're going to get the job done and close the series out in the next game. It would be interesting to see a small ball team win and just put a giant middle finger uh, middle finger up to analytics in baseball. That would be... Uh, are you kind of pulled for Arizona because of that? Well, no, because they're a small ball team based on analytics. That's... It's 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 an analytical team that doesn't oh. play with the analytics the way that most teams play analytics. Wait, now I desperately want this team to win. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for informing me about what's going on in the World Series. I, I used to I used to love it, man. I used to. It's like common. I used to love her. <laughs> I Wes. used to love her. One of my favorite joints. I used to. All right, let's go to the last segment of a Halloween edition on Weston Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. is the segment brought to you by one Wes Bryant himself <laughs> with Halloween theme music in the background <laughs> and San Francisco is involved in a trade <clears throat> Ian Rappaport tweets out sources former number two overall pick commander's defensive end Chase Young is being traded to the 49ers incredible Ian Rappaport says, likely a mid-round pick in 2024. Ian finishes the tweet by saying, after dealing Montez Sweat to the Bears, Washington now trades Young to one of the NFL's best. Wes Bryant, San Francisco is your favorite NFL team. Do you like this trade, giving up a mid-round pick in next year's draft in order to go get the edge rusher from Washington. Well, the thing about it is, you know, he's been up and down through his career, but he's got five sacks so far this season. But, uh, you know, the, the play has been not quite what we thought because coming out of college, I mean, it looked like this guy was the second coming of Julius Peppers. But 
when you talk about him coming over to the Niners, playing with Bosa, playing with those guys that they have, and, I mean, he's got five sacks on the season. You're talking about now Bosa, Randy Gregory, now Chase Young added to the mix. So it's nice, but, again, they got to make the most of it. Like you said, you have injuries, attrition. I'm not one of those fans that's just automatically like, oh, it's Super Bowl, and this, that, and a third. I mean, it's a nice deal for the Niners. I figured that uh, John Lynch and those guys were going to do something because it seems like they always do. Uh, and I think they definitely saw what Seattle did yesterday and it definitely made them feel like they needed to do something. So we'll see, man. I mean, I, I think it's a nice deal. He's going to add to the pass rush, and we'll see how it plays out. You see uh, that? You see that? What? What? I mean, what I'm happened? just, you know, I'm just not the guy that's just going to come in and be, oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl and they're going to be unstoppable. Oh. I keep a nice, realistic view of things, you know? Okay. You wanted a, a pat on the back for... But yes. I'm happy for Lynch, okay. though, you know, and those guys making deals, man. Well, so, yeah, this one, picks. this one's interesting to me because Chase Young, clearly a, a really special talent. We all saw that coming out of the NFL draft. He has not completed a season yet in his young NFL career. This is the big thing, though. You guys just gave the biggest defensive contract outside of Aaron Donald this past offseason to Nick mm-hmm. Bosa. You trade for somebody that plays the same position, and he's due for a contract. And I don't know what kind of money he's going to be asking for. Mm -hmm. Are you giving up a mid-round pick, which isn't a ton? I I think it's probably worth the risk anyway. But you're giving up a mid-round pick after trading a lot for Christian McCaffrey. It's not like you got a ton you're working with. Having traded for Trey Lance, Christian McCaffrey, now you're giving up a mid-round pick for Chase Young. If this is someone that wants a lot more money than San Francisco thinks he's worth and you don't pony up, and you have a couple things that could happen. One, (laughs) he could sit out and decide not to play, just as Nick Bosa was about to do, and even did, before Mm -hmm. they eventually agreed to something. You also have somebody that has never finished a season, has never played a full season, so you could have an injury pop up, and if he does get injured, then you probably don't want to bring him long-term, which means you gave up a mid-round pick for nothing. This is the question, too, like, if you look in the future... Man, I think this puts a lot of pressure right now. Yeah, it should be. They they already had a lot of pressure. I'm not saying it's any different, but this is a, if they don't win, this trade looks worse. If they well, don't win it, this it, year, if they don't bring it back long term. It should be. I mean, my mom, when she gives me a hard time all the time about the Niners, she always calls us the bridesmaids. So she said, never been the bride. And so that's the thing, man. It's time. The Niners have been knocking on the door. They've been to the Super Bowl twice in the last seven, eight seasons. It's time to get a win. It's time to cash out. And I mean, I'll take it. You know, if it comes down to Brock Purdy getting a big contract at the end of this year and things just yeah. going downhill, I got to let a lot of guys go because of salaries. I'm okay with that, but it's time to cash in, dog, and, and win a Super Bowl. I'm tired of NFC title game and all this stuff happening, man. It is time to win. So give us all the pressure or give them all the pressure in the world. They need to get it done. Gas House Earl writes in on the text line. I don't think it matters if they resign him. If this puts them over the top for a Super Bowl, then it's a win-win resigning him or not. For sure. Yeah. Key point there is they got to win. And if they don't, then this this is the all-in type of deal. And and I I shouldn't I I shouldn't make it that dramatic because it's a mid-round pick. It seems like it's probably worth the risk here. It's just that team doesn't have a lot of picks that they're dealing. And so, do you want to hold on to every possible pick that you can? Or are you trading it for a guy that you might not re-sign? And you've already invested quite a bit defensively. Uh, Defensively, they've been struggling as the season has gone on, at least the last few games. 
offensively, though, you're not really worried about this team. I ask you if you would have rather have traded for an offensive weapon or something on that side of the ball. Uh, not really. I'm not sure Brock Purdy was completely cleared from his concussion, even though he cleared protocol. But that hit he took was pretty vicious. Debo will be back uh, probably the next game that they play. So, I mean, offensively, man, they're stacked. I mean, the, the Niners don't really need anything on offense. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk has been really good yeah. this year. Debo's always hurt, though, so that he worries is. me. George Kittle's always hurt, though. That worries me. Christian McCaffrey has his injury history. Yeah, Kittle's been relatively healthy. I mean, but that's the thing with the NFL. I mean, you're going to have guys get beat down. But, I mean, the Niners, like I said, offensively, in my opinion, and people sleep on uh, my man Jawan Jennings, too. He's one of the better like slots Juwan. in the NFL. So, I mean, you know, with the uh, the running back position, I forget the backup uh, that they have. Elijah Mason. Uh, Elijah well, Mitchell, Mitchell, but Mason has been getting the And Mason, the too. Trey too. Mason from um, no, Georgia Jordan Tech. Jordan Mason. So, Jordan Mason yep. from Georgia Tech. So, yeah, man, I think the Niners are loaded. I think this was a nice deal. And then Richard Sherman has smoke for uh, Steve Wilkes, like a lot of yeah. 49er fans do. So, I think you might see a change there, man. Steve, we love you. I know you're Queen City, man, but you got to get the hell out of San Francisco if you want to have the defense out here looking crazy. All right. So uh, a segment brought to you by Wes Bryant in its entirety. Some San Francisco conversation. John Lynch getting involved on the trade market. Will the Carolina Panthers be involved in the trade market with an hour left in the NFL trade deadline? Kyle Bailey will take you the rest of the way. He'll do so alongside Smoke Ludwig. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.